Former Republican Congresswoman uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks so much for being here. So the Russian prison service announced Friday that Vladimir Putin's critic Alexei Navalny is dead. Biden says Putin's responsible. Do you agree? And how should the U.S. respond? Yeah, there's no question. Absolutely, he's responsible. The best thing that we can do right now is to pass the, the aid bill that the Ukrainians need uh, so urgently to help them continue what they're doing to defeat Putin's army uh, in Ukraine. And and one thing that's really important, Jake, for the viewers to recognize and understand is one man, one man has the power in his hands to get that done. And that's Mike Johnson. The Speaker now, of the House. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. It's very unusual, actually, in American history to be in a situation where one man holds that kind of power who's not the president. But Mike Johnson could, if he wanted to, today announce that he's going to call the House of Representatives back into session. He could put the bill that's already passed the Senate onto the floor of the House for a vote tomorrow could be on Joe Biden's desk by tomorrow night, and the aid could be flowing to Ukraine. And Mike Johnson ought to search deep in his conscience, understanding exactly what's happening, the slaughter that's happening uh, in Ukraine today, the extent to which the Ukrainians are on the front lines in this battle for freedom. And history will look back at this moment and, and ask, what did Mike Johnson do? Uh, he, has, he has said, and I, I take him at his word, that he believes that God has told him uh, that he's called to be Moses. And, and I think Mike Johnson ought to look at whether or not this is actually that moment and he ought to help the Ukrainian people. It's been made clear to Speaker Johnson that if he does that, he brings up this bill and just allows it to be voted on, even if he votes against it. If he just introduces the bill at, that, as you know, it already passed the Senate, uh, there will be repercussions for his speakership. The members of the House Freedom Caucus uh, may offer a motion to vacate and remove him from his speakership. That is the threat facing him. That's right. And, and what I would say to that is, it, you know, he ought to understand that it is worth it if he has to lose his speakership in order to make sure that freedom survives, in order to make sure that the United States of America continues to play its, its leadership role in the world. He ought to read what's happening in Ukraine today. He ought to read about the slaughter that's going on. Uh, and he ought to understand that we are at a turning point in the history, not just of this nation, but of the world. Uh, and, and again, he's going to have to explain to future generations, to his kids, to his grandkids, whether or not he did what was right, whether or not he, he was a force for good and aided the cause of freedom, or whether he continued down this path of cowardice and doing what Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin want him to do. Well, you say doing what Donald Trump wants him to do. Donald Trump has not responded directly at all to Navalny's death. Last night he was attacking prosecutors at his rally in Michigan. He's posted dozens of times on his Truth Social media app calling Biden an incompetent president. So it's not as though he hasn't been speaking um, this is the likely Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump. How do you feel about the fact that he has not said one word about Navalny? He's had harsher words uh, about Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, than he has had about Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, Donald Trump, as you pointed out, uh, said just a few days ago that uh, he, had, he had told a NATO ally that he would encourage Putin to do whatever he needed to do, whatever he wanted to do. Uh, he, he's basically made clear that uh, under a Trump administration, uh, the United States is unlikely to keep its NATO commitments. And I think that Republicans uh, who understand the importance of the national security situation, who continue to support him, are similarly going to be held to account. You know, when you think about Donald Trump, for example, pledging retribution, um, what Vladimir Putin did to Navalny is what retribution looks like in a country where the leader is not subject to the rule of law. Um, and, and I think that we have to take Donald Trump very seriously. We have to take seriously the extent to which, um, you know, you've now got a Putin wing of the Republican Party. 
Uh, I believe the issue this election cycle is making sure the Putin wing of the Republican Party does not take over the West Wing of the White House. Um, as you know, Donald Trump is standing by his comments uh, about that anecdote where he told the NATO ally you know, that if they don't pay the correct of their GDP on defense, that he would tell Russia to do whatever the hell they want to them. Um, what was your response to that when you heard that? Um, it, it is it's dangerous. It shows a complete lack of understanding of, of uh, America's role in the world. It's disgraceful. I can't imagine any other American president of either party since the establishment of NATO saying such a thing. Um, it's completely uninformed and ignorant and dangerous. NATO, in my view, is the most successful alliance probably in the history of the world. And the extent to which, because of American leadership, we have been able to lead those free nations of Europe, we've been able to guarantee security, but we've been able to deter exactly the kind of uh, uh, thing that we're seeing happen today in Ukraine, because NATO members know and because our adversaries know that if there's going to be an invasion of a NATO country, we'll, we'll come to their aid. We will all come to each other's aid. And I think one of the things that is so uh, misguided about this current debate, people like J.D. Vance and others who suggest that we should just uh, abandon the Ukrainians, is if Putin wins in Ukraine, he's telling us, he's saying, you know, the Baltics are next, Poland is next, NATO member countries will be next. If, mm -hmm. if Putin wins in Ukraine, the security system, and he knows this, the security structures that have maintained peace and security and freedom since the end of World War II um, will begin to, to unravel. One of the reasons that Speaker Johnson has not brought up the bill that has the aid for Israel and Ukraine and Taiwan is that it doesn't, control, it doesn't contain uh, additional border security measures that had been added to the Senate bill. Uh, a, a compromise that made that raised asylum standards and had money for the wall, et cetera, et cetera, put forward by conservative Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. Um, but it was not conservative enough for the House. So then it was stripped from that foreign aid bill. And now the foreign aid bill is there without the border, secu border security measures. And they're saying, we're not going to vote for anything that doesn't have border security measures. What did you think of the compromise? And what do you make of this gambit that's really difficult for people to understand where the Republicans are coming from? Uh, I actually, I, I don't think it's that difficult for people to understand. I think the American people are, are really smart, and what the Republicans are doing now is really shameful. Um, I, I think that, that the Biden administration absolutely bears responsibility for failing to secure the border, and, and that's been going on now for a number of years, and, and it's inexplicable, and it's wrong. But as soon as the agreement was reached, there was a bipartisan agreement to begin to take steps in that direction, and again, Donald Trump, you know, said, no, no, I don't want you all to actually begin to solve the problem because he wants to run on the issue. So the Republicans walked away from it. And now you're seeing these contortions uh, from, from, you know, many leading Republicans, uh, including Tim Scott, trying to explain why they demanded border security. Then they got the border security provisions and then they rejected it because Donald Trump told them to. They said it was fundamentally important for us to support Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. Now they have a bill that supports Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan, and they won't vote for it because it doesn't have anything about the American border in it. Um, I think, again, the American people are, are too smart to fall for that. And, and I think that my uh, former colleagues ought to stop the political contortions and, and realize how significant and serious this national security moment is. A judge has ordered that Donald Trump and his organization pay a $355 million fine for fraud 
This on top of $83 million that he's been ordered to pay to E. Jean Carroll, the writer who's accused him of sexual assault. Uh, he has to pay that for defamation. This is, and we're just getting started with the court cases here. There's yeah. a lot more to come. Yeah, I mean, look, there are so, so many pieces to this. I think with respect to E. Jean Carroll, um, you know, people need to understand, and I think they ought to be asked, people who are supporting Donald Trump, you know, what the jury found in that, in that case is that, you know, Donald Trump was guilty of committing sexual assault basically that he actually had done what he said on the Access Hollywood tape, he did. I mean, this is not something that's out of left field. Um, and when you, when you look at these cases and you look at, at the, um, uh, the verdicts and the judgments, it's clear the common thread that runs through all of them is um, Donald Trump uh, lack of willingness to abide by the law, lack of commitment to the truth, um, fundamental lack of character. And, and I think one of the things that is so troubling about this political season is the extent to which you've got, um, you know, people that, that used to be good and honorable uh, members of Congress, for example, who have simply apparently abandoned the need to actually elect people of, of character and honor and instead are embracing him. You know, it's interesting also, as, as Senator Mitt Romney said the other day, something along the lines of, I'm not going to vote for somebody who's guilty of sexual assault. Right. That's a, that's a line for me. Yeah. Um, right. It seems odd that that would be so unique among current senators and members of the House that that would be a line. Yeah, I mean, you would think that anybody with a daughter, sister, a mother would, would be where Senator Romney is on that issue. Um, Senator J.D. Vance, who you mentioned earlier, and Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who now uh, holds your, your former job as a GOP conference chair, both of them are now saying that they, if they had been vice president in January 6, 2021, they would not have voted to certify the election. They would have not allowed the process to go forward. I'm not even sure what the constitutional uh, agenda there is. You know, there's no there's, role. There's no basis. Yeah, no but they say they wouldn't basis. have. Yeah. Um, should Republicans be comfortable supporting a ticket with J.D. Vance or Elise Stefanik on it? No, of course not. I mean, I think that, that what they're describing is the antithesis of the rule of law. What they're describing is uh, Congress that ignores the rulings of the courts, that ignores the plain language of the Constitution. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's something very important going on here. If you look, for example, at, at the Navalny assassination and how important it is for the West and for uh, organizations that are committed to freedom and democracy to strengthen themselves and to stand tall now, one of the most important of those in the United States is the National Endowment for Democracy uh, that was established during the Reagan administration that has long fought for freedom and stood for dissidents. Um, you've now today, as we sit here, Elise Stefanik, who has said that you know she would be perfectly willing to steal the next election, who, as far as I know, has made no comment about the assassination of Navalny. She sits on the board of the National Endowment for Democracy. Hmm. So I would say, you know, if, if they really are serious about being engaged in this hugely critical struggle for freedom, uh, you know, Elise Stefanik should not sit on that board any longer. 